There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports, whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice up with an open net. Or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendel. Well, welcome inside edition number 123 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. We'll call this an impromptu edition. Daniel House at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine joins in just moments, and I will explain why this pod is so impromptu for edition number 123. Thank you so much. If you are listening on the Minnesota Sports Chat feed, a hello and a thank you. If you are listening in the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I invite you to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you have yet to do so in the Minnesota Sports Chat feed, please make sure you rate and review, and please make sure you rate and review kindly. When I think of the word kind, I think of Mr. Daniel House, who joins me in the flesh, a socially distant six feet away. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well. I was at Vikings practice this morning, so it was a great day. 49ers in town, good observation points, had Gophers practice the other night, so full football mode. I'm hyped up. So here's how this comes together impromptu. I text you (laughs) roundabout way. I say, hey, can you pod soon? Can you pod tomorrow? And we go back and forth just a little bit, and you say, oh, I could do it tomorrow at this time. And then I said, ah, that doesn't necessarily work for me. And then you drop a house bomb that you're across the street from me in a hotel. <laughs> and I said, well, dude, I'm still sitting at the 9 to fiver. Just walk on over. We can record one in person. Thus, an impromptu edition. How impromptu? I'll typically kind of tell you what we want to talk about or what I want to talk about. And because you're highbrow, you'll yay and nay things and tell me what you want to talk about. We didn't even do that today. We didn't. This is a completely off-the-cuff Minnesota sports chat, but that's the best way to do it because we we have fun. We, Correct. we debate topics all the time like this. Well, you were asking me, I got to get this out of the way, you were asking me off the air about my big trip to Winnipeg, and I told this, Who actually, who did I tell this to? Oh, it was on Before Before We Die in the Purple Daily feed. Jesse uh-huh. Jesse Pierce asked me. I said, well, I'll sum it up this way. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers had not lost in 264 days. Myself and my buddies show up. The Blue Bombers lose. <laughs> the Winnipeg Gold Eyes play in the American Association. Uh-huh. That's the league that the St. Paul Saints played in for many, many years. Not 
as big of a deal, but the Winnipeg Gold Eyes had won seven straight home games. They lost when Ross showed up. So that losing stench of Minneapolis-St. Paul, you can easily carry it north. The Blue Bombers game, though, was house a ton of fun. Stadium seats 33,000. They announced just over 32,000, and I can tell you, that was probably pretty fair. It was pretty pretty busy. Got to go on the field after the game. That was kind of cool. Took pictures with mascot guy who drives around in a little airplane, which is freaking hilarious. What? Yeah, he drives around bomber score. He comes out and drives a plane around the end zone. You know, it's hilarious. I, I love the CFL. <laughs> I enjoy watching it. Nathan Rourke, my guy on yeah, the BC line. Look at him this year. He's he's he honestly he's He's taking the league by storm. It, it doesn't surprise me. I was actually just talking on the phone yesterday with his quarterback trainer, movement specialist up in Canada, and we were talking about what he's been doing with Nathan Rourke, and I'm just fascinated by it. <laughs> How was Nathan Rourke on your radar? Where did you this know even me. come from? I'm always studying football. I'm trying to get ideas from everybody. I do this all the time. I call people, talk to them. You know, even if it's just a half hour, I can gain some yeah. insight on something that I'll use in the future, you know? I don't want to turn this into Blue Bombers uh, wine line or, or a Blue Bombers podcast. I'll do that again soon with my guy Taylor Allen from the Winnipeg Free Press, who, uh, by the way, people, you know, how nice are Canadians? Taylor Allen told me a year ago, when you come up here, I'd love to meet you for a drink. Uh-huh. He did just that. He met us for a few drinks. Super nice guy. He's a diehard Vikings fan. He's actually coming here in October to watch the Vikings. Wow. Gave him a hard time. He said in theory he could have chose the Packers as his favorite team, but he chose the Vikings. And I jokingly told him, I'm like, you need to run like hell. What are you doing? <laughs> well, like, this is the life I was born into. You could have chose, in theory, any team in the NFL. You chose this one? You must love pain. But overall, a ton of fun. I'm glad you asked me, and I know I got a few questions on the social media machines, which I don't think I replied to all of them, so I wanted to get it out here on this pod. Manny Hill made the trip with me. It was really fun. Actually, if you'll let me uh, jump into something so off topic, but but hilarious, guess who got flagged at the border? You? Myself, Manny Hill, and my good buddy Brandon, we had to go... We got through the initial gatekeeper, so to speak, but he was not happy. He did not yeah. like the way I drove into the lane. So and he what? and he let me know that right away. I said, "How are you doing?" He said, "Fine." What was that about? And I'm like, "What was what about?" And he's like, "Oh, the way you drove in, you just pick a lane and drive in. It's not that hard." And I think I told him noted or okay, sorry. Then from there on out, he was very frosty. We then had to go in. He gave us a sheet of paper and said, you need to pull off to this canopy. And we later found out we had to go inside. We go inside. We talk to a guy who asks us, what are we doing here? Yada, yada, yada. He says, okay, I need to search your car. And while I'm doing that, you need to go talk to immigration. We all go talk to immigration, tell our stories. Guy comes back in, passes me the car keys, finish up with the woman from immigration. And she says, they want to search your car. So we drive through. Search your car. Search the car. They put us in another waiting room. And the whole car got the once over so much so that when I popped the trunk open, you could tell everything in the trunk had been lifted up. So they went through the bags. Wow. I must have got flagged for being a drug mule. Newsflash to my friends from Canada. I'm about the last person that would be a drug mule. Uh, Literally about the last person. But it was, in all honesty, I kind of enjoyed it because 
I had nothing to hide. Yeah. They weren't going to find anything in that. It's right. honestly, they probably laughed. It's one of the cleanest cars you'll ever get in. But it, it is. But it was pretty darn funny. I mean, it was 45 minutes of, what are you doing here? What is your business in Canada? What do you do for a living? What are you going to do when you're in Canada? We're just here to watch football. Yeah. I think, is it possible they didn't think that people would come from Minneapolis to watch Canadian football and American Association you baseball? You should have said, we're football guys. <laughs> I'm here to go get my don't guys. Don't you know? I'm We're here. football guys, don't you know? <laughs> oh, and the amount of A's, that is, I think as we a. all know, that is not a stereotype. A is a real thing. That, yeah. that comes up in conversation plenty. Okay, so that was my trip to Winnipeg. That probably went on six and a half <laughs> minutes too long, so I apologize. Uh, Daniel House runs Gophers Guru, gophersguru.com. If you're a Gopher fan of any sorts, especially when it comes to Gopher basketball, Gopher football, you need to subscribe to this. You need to pay the small monthly fee because it's the best insight you'll find around when it comes to the Gophers. He also does some stuff for the Vikings and mnvikingscorner.com. Yes, correct. I, I did a throwback notebook today. I finally got to camp because I've been so busy with Gopher football. It just hasn't worked out, but I, I was back today, saw the 49ers, just a fun, fun practice session. So do you want to start there since that's recency bias in your head? Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about it. Recency bias is not the correct word to use there or term, but I think you know what I meant, and I hope the uh, listeners know what I meant. Okay, so we've talked about the Vikings a little bit here mm-hmm. and there over the last few months. You typically join me once a month, and when we talk Gophers, we'll uh, uh, talk about something else that I think people will be excited about. You're, well, first off, okay, let's just go with this. I'll take the easy way out. Your thoughts on what you saw today and from what you saw today, how much will translate to the regular season? It was the most valuable evaluation point because, honestly, these two days with the 49ers will probably be the best reps instead of the preseason game. You'll be able to get a feel for how the roster is coming together off the first preseason game. The big observation is Ed Ingram now running with the first team at right guard. And you watch the preseason game and you look at what he was able to do, generating movement in the ground game, holding up well in pass protection, and then seeing some of that today. His length and wingspan stand out. He's able to anchor up against uh, defensive tackles, plays with impressive technique, good hand technique in particular, and he just fits the mold of exactly what they're looking for in this blocking scheme. So if Quasey hits on Ed Ingram and these other picks that have already flashed continue to grow, that could be the X factor of this, this entire draft class putting this roster together. And you look at where the weaknesses were for the past couple of seasons, it's been you know stopping the run on defense and the interior of that offensive line. And Ed Ingram is is looking the part, fitting well into the system, and you see some of the modifications of the offense. I mean, obviously they're not showing much. But the wrinkles that you do see, you're going, okay, you can build off of that. You can do some things here. So I've been studying up that McVay-Shanahan playbooks just for everything that I'm doing. But you know, it's exciting to see the Vikings – looking stronger on the inside of their offensive line. Even like Austin Schlotman was another good signing that Quasey made that has flashed in the preseason and uh, in practice too when I've been there. 
by God, I'm a professional. Did you honor the Vikings request and not record anything? I did not record anything. I, I just I processed it all right there in front of me, like you, I always do. It's you were, that way with the golfers too. So you hit record on your noggin and that's all that you need. I take detailed notes. I have a specific way that I watch practice. It's it's a little unique. I developed it over the years. Uh, I I look at different sessions, kind of figure out what the practice structure is going to look like and build it all together and how I write my pieces. Percent chance that Garrett Bradbury is cut? I don't see him being cut at the at the he can, he can be an adequate depth player for the Vikings if he if he isn't the starter. I don't know will they really roll him out there for the first two weeks? I mean, you got you look at the schedule, Kenny Clark. Uh, uh, Jordan Davis, like all these big, big, good luck, big defensive tackles coming in. Like I'm going, okay, uh, maybe, maybe they'll go in the direction uh, of just trying to find another option. And, you know, Chris Reed's been hurt, uh, but I I don't know what they're, what exactly it's going to look like uh, come week one, but we'll see how it all, all shakes out. Could they in the offseason and should they have done more at the center position? Because I, I would submit it to you like this or I would frame it up like this. Yeah. If Garrett Bradbury's not going to be your starting center and it's somebody else who is currently on the roster, that might be fine. Like you can probably get by with that, but I don't think that that's the best you could have done. Well, and, and I would say that that's probably. This is probably a little harsh, but that's probably the first check mark against the new regime. Well, and that's just it. You know, I, I look at it this way, Ross. Maybe there's some things that they can do schematically to help Garrett Bradbury that maybe wasn't done before in terms of the guards helping some things that they can do uh, within the scheme that might help him. But, you know, you look at Austin Schlappman, for example, in the preseason game. I thought he played pretty well. And he actually flashed in the last joint practice with the Broncos when I was going through my notes. I actually had him written up a bit in there. And Chris Reed's been hurt. Maybe he's the alternative option at center. He hasn't been able to play. But that's probably the path that you could see is him potentially sliding into that center spot if it isn't Bradbury. But I don't see from a from a contractual cap space, you know, dead cap perspective, I just don't see – the advantage of cutting Bradbury at this stage, like just play this thing out. You don't have incredible depth at that spot. The big thing to me is you got that right guard position sort of figured out. It looks like possibly with that Ingram, which that is a huge, huge variable. If you have strong play next to Garrett Bradbury, that's very important. We already know the tackle spots, Brian O'Neill and I think Christian Derrissaw has made a huge step forward, Ross. Uh, a lot of people around there are super excited about him. A lot of comparisons being drawn on a development track to like a Trent Williams. People m- got to remember, like last year, the flashes that he showed, he, he didn't hardly have any training camp because of that injury he was coming back, the surgery he was coming back from. He's been able to work out, train, work in a similar system in terms of the blocking concepts. And that's, I, I'm excited to see what he can do this season. If he's 75%, he being Christian Derrissaw, 75% of our buddy Trent, well, then that means the yeah. Vikings hit a home run on that draft pick. That would be a almost perennial pro bowler <laughs> slash borderline hall of fame player. If he is even 75% yeah. of the player. Yep. So, so that's a good sign. I like what you said about are there things if Garrett Bradbury is going to be the starter that they can do schematically or just the play to the left and the right of him 
that could make him a better yep. player. I, I like what you said there. I want to ask you one more Vikings question, then we'll we'll talk go for football because I'm incredibly excited about September first at T Huntington Bank Stadium. The Vikings thought is this, okay, with Kirk Cousins here, it's not fair to put this all on him, but mm-hmm. five hundred foot view, five thousand foot view, however you want to say it. Right. Kirk Cousins is in today's NFL with a 17-game season. If you look at his record, you can logically assume the Vikings will be somewhere between 7 and 10 and 10 and 7. Funny, that's exactly what I think when people ask me, what do you think the Vikings will do? And I would say, well, if you'll get Kirk Cousins' 10-year career, he's roughly a 500 quarterback, Mm -hmm. tend to be right around 500. I would say the floor for this team is probably 7 and 10. I would say the ceiling's probably 10 and 7. Mm -hmm. But... I do think there's talent to do more than that. So if they were to go 11 and six or better, I think it is dependent on three things. Getting the most out of Kirk Cousins anybody's ever gotten. Mm -hmm. Staying healthy. I think that's huge because I still don't think there's great depth here. So I think the team has to stay healthy. And I mean that more on the defensive side of the ball. Correct. If Zadarius and Daniil are healthy. Okay. You might have something here. Item number three, we just touched on it in part, that offensive line. Do they need to be great? No. Do they need to be good to pretty good? Yes. If they can stay healthy, if they can be good up front on the offensive line, and you Mm -hmm. can get more out of Kirk Cousins, even incrementally more, I think they could win 11 games or more. Do you agree with that, and is there anything I'm missing from that? Yeah, you're you're spot on. The defense is the factor that I'm interested in because we spend a lot of time talking about Kevin O'Connell and the offensive scheme and getting the most out of Kirk Cousins. But when you look back at the Vikings the past couple of seasons, it's been stopping the run. That has been my biggest pet peeve. And when you're playing this type of defensive scheme that the Vikings are going to run with some of this gap and a half uh, techniques up front and playing 3-4, and, you know, I think they'll be in some 4-2, you know, they'll be in nickel quite a bit. So there'll be a lot of different fronts that they're running out there. So are they able to adequately, you know, hold up against the run? Because you need your defensive tackles to really be able to hold gaps and do a nice job up front. So I look at Harrison Phillips. That could end up being a really good signing. Like, I already think it's a great signing. He's flashed already in the preseason. Looked dominant in camp, winning the one-on-ones. Armin Watts has flashed a bit, being able to push pockets. you got to have people who can set the edge, be able to redirect runs and allow your linebackers to flow downhill. You nailed it, though, with the depth. In the secondary, like, what are you going to get from Andrew Booth? Is, this, is he going to be a work in progress? Some of the penalties, some of the technique, it, will it get there? When does it click? We don't know. Cam Dantzler looks better under the new staff, but will we get that consistency? Pat Pete today going against Danny Davis got beat deep. Wondering about him. I love that we still call a grown man Pat Pete. I just love Pat that. Pete, but veteran experience. So, like, I think the the whole thing that I'm interested in is I they're solid with the three safeties. Maybe they get some three safety packages going. What does the scheme look like? Because we're not seeing anything no. in the preseason. We're not seeing anything in camp right now because there's there, we're still a long ways away from the first game. Well, you're not seeing anything in camp because the head coach can't trust you guys not to record it and share it all over social media. Not me. Not me. But I, I will admit, some of the stuff that I saw online, I'm sitting there looking at the McVeigh, uh, Sh- Shanahan playbooks, 
dissecting some of it just to see, you know, what types of things are working on. But like I said, no wrinkles are being shown. But as I said, a lot of moving pieces on the defensive side of the ball. If the defense can take a step forward and stay healthy, big, big, probably the biggest variable there, then I don't know what will happen, but this team could potentially put some together. I'm loving the energy on this pod today, and I think the energy is two parts. It's one, you saw live football today. I'm fired up. I am also loaded on Beans Coffee today. I, I had <laughs> like three cups this morning before I went to work, and I'm, I'm glad I had those three cups because I didn't expect to be here for 10 hours today, so I'm, I'm glad I have that energy in me. Beans Coffee Company, man, they know we're busy people. I know I'm busy, and that's why I appreciate Beans Coffee Company. They're about more than just providing that fresh, great-tasting coffee, though. Beans, they're also about simplicity and convenience. What could be easier than fresh roasted coffee showing up to your place Mm -hmm. on your schedule? Very easy. You can do that with Beans Coffee Company. Go to coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. Sign up for a... I almost said a frothy. A frothy? (laughs) I suppose you can get frothy coffee. You can get frothy coffee. Frothy. Frothy. That's the word. Froth. You can get those delivered in one to eight week intervals. Very easy at coffeebybeans.com. Subscribers, you can choose between 12 ounce bags, five pound bags. I need a couple of those right now. And don't forget to use the promo code SportsChat when you sign up or check out. That is sports chat at coffeebybeans.com. Don't want a prescription? That's fine. A prescription? How about a subscription? Don't want a subscription? That's fine. You can just order by the bag. All orders of three bags or more ship for free. Get that frothy, throffy, frothy coffee at coffeebybeans.com. Promo code sports chat. I got a little Sean Connery there too, and I'm like, get your fur for free. <laughs> you want to talk some gopher football? I'm ready for go for football. I've been around go for football a lot, so I, I've been able to watch quite a bit. I know you have. Have you made Have you made the head coach angry yet? I I don't. I haven't made the head coach <laughs> angry. I go watch practice. I soak it all in. I have my system. I go in. I do my thing. I, I, I that's how I roll. I love when he addresses you by name in the post game. Yeah, yeah. He oh. did that the other day. Did you see that? <laughs> I did not see it. Yeah, no. no, he's talking about <laughs> Kyler Baugh and this play that I highlighted. It was like a special teams rep where Kyler Baugh runs down the the punt returner yeah. like across the hash. Just an impressive play. And he starts it out and he's like, uh, Daniel, I'm sh- I'm sure Daniel uh, knows this. Yeah, he and did then, this. He did the same to you post game last year, but wasn't it something like, well, I don't think Daniel would have done it that way or something. Something about <laughs> yeah, like a like a fourth down decision or something. <laughs> no, he's like, you don't agree with me or something. It, it, yeah, he he likes that. I don't want to I don't want to put words in the coach's mouth, but I do love that. I lo- I love <laughs> that he knows what people are writing and talking about, and I love that he takes the chance to get to know you guys. Yeah, and gals. I, I like that aspect. Yeah, it, it's cool that the coaches keep up on the content that's out there. I mean, because no. I, I do it a little bit different. I appreciate yeah. that you know coaches are willing to like read it and maybe take something from it. You know, I don't know. Well, and let's be honest. I I've never liked when players, coaches, or anybody, and I'm not saying this about PJ specifically. Right. I'm just saying in general. I don't love when they say things like, "Oh, I don't pay attention to what's in the media. I don't know what's out there." 
BS. Yes, you do. Everybody knows. Do you know everything? No. Are you aware if fans are on you or, uh, or you know, chastising you or on your side? Absolutely you do. So I like that there's at least some acknowledgement about knowing what's being wrote, Ratter said. So I, I give the head coach and coaches who do that props. September 1st, fast approaching. I'm hitting the road on a company trip. Then I come back and it's state fair time. And state fair time also means go for football time. Thursday, September 1st, you pumped? I'm pumped up. I'm ready for the season. The first three games, doing all the the prep. I was watching Kansas Wesleyan the other day because Hendrickson, the head coach at Western Illinois, came from there. So I wanted to see, could I take anything from that? Because they had 48 players on the roster in the spring. And he is refusing to, like, tell anyone, comment on any players ahead of this game. Wait, Western Illinois has 48 players? They had 48 48 players in the spring just due to departures and graduations and all that stuff. But Gophers by 42. You you can't even get any insight into, like, what the roster looks like. So I've been doing prep on that. Yeah, because he doesn't know. Well, he doesn't know, and he's trying to act like, you know, bold move. He's playing it coy. He doesn't want anybody to know who the personnel will be. You know, what, what will the team look like? I don't know. Hey, just out of curiosity, and I'm not telling you how to do your job. I'm the last person to tell you how to do that. Have you put in a call to the New Mexico State Athletic Director to, I ha- I to, talk, to talk to Jerry Soda? <laughs> oh, I, well, everybody's been talking in the media. I know so. they have. I, I'm all for it. I've said this numerous times. I'm going to say it again, and I hope PJ is listening. First off, Coach, I love you. Don't listen to what anybody says. I love you. Uh, <laughs> secondly, somebody better run out of that damn tunnel with the Jerry Soda flag. <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's just—it's a no-brainer. Oh my! It's gosh. a no—it's a no-brainer. Just, just do it. Uh, honestly, what can you tell us? This is a serious question. What can you tell us about New Mexico State? Is it fair to assume that New Mexico State's offense is going to look? Pretty darn similar to what the Gopher offense and defense looked like under Jerry Kill, just going back six, seven years. The problem is, is they lost a lot of talent, and you're coming in trying to patch things up with JUCO transfers. And I look at, for example, the roster: Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, wide receiver, going to Nebraska. He was their best player on that side of the ball. They do have their best; they're probably their second best player, Chris Ojo, a linebacker, coming back again. But other than that. Pretty razor thin and young along the offensive line, especially at the depth spots. Starting five has some experience. Uh, lost their left tackle, who's playing for the Saints. Uh, but we're still kind of waiting to see Diego Pavia is probably the quarterback. Transfer from um, New Mexico Military Institute. Uh, barely through there. Gives you some rushing ability. That seems to be the component that we saw a lot from the quarterbacks under Kill is you know wanting them to be able to be a dual threat, throw, you know, run the ball, throw the ball a little bit, but mostly run it. Uh, But, you know, last year allowed 84 plays of 20-plus yards, which was the second highest mark in college football. Horrid rush defense. They weren't able to stop the run. Experience is coming back on the D-line. Lazarus Williams is a passer with good length and athletic ability. But you just look at that team – where they're at, what their strengths and weaknesses were last year. Minnesota just pounds the rock this first game. Just run the football, come out, get a big lead, and hopefully get some of your younger players in there. Because I like what I saw from the backup quarterbacks. 
tell you, there's been a lot of progress made behind the scenes with Cole Kramer, Ethan Calic-Manis. Cole Kramer specifically, like from where, where he was at at the end of last season to where he is now, huge strides. Very impressed with Cole Kramer. So I have the Gophers beating Western Illinois by 42. I'll lock in beating New Mexico State by 23. Okay. I'm gonna go Gophers by twenty. Western Illinois Western Illinois is yeah, that that that's a good bet. Well, if they only have seventeen active players, it's gonna be tough <laughs> for them to put up to put up any sort of fight. Uh, on that, that backup quarterback situation, how much of what those two players do this year and in any game time that they see will determine who's starting next year? Or do you think a lot of that determination is done in camp next year? Oh, yeah, it'll be a big part of camp next year. But, you know, just getting reps when you can in games is important because the whole instinct of playing in those situations is totally different. You try to replicate it in practice, but, you know, you can't really do that full justice. So if you can get those players in games, it's it's super valuable. So these first three non-conference games, we'll see – kind of the rep distribution of, of how everything's split up and what the approach is because uh, you can definitely benefit your future roster development by getting those players some reps. Cole Kramer going to be back in the green line formation this year? I don't know if they'll use that. I don't okay. I don't know if they'll use that or not. Maybe, you know, they were, were going to use the Wildcat package with Mo, but I, I could see it being completely scraped. That's one of the fascinating things, Ross, heading into the season, is looking at Kirk Shiraka's offense. And I know everybody is talking about RPOs coming back, run-pass option, and I get that. I understand it was a big part of it, but like I was talking to Kirk about the other day, the evolution of defensive football. Where has the game evolved on that side of the ball? And he said exotics, third-down pressures, and he also said the ability of defenses to be really creative taking away RPOs. So now you have to have a lot more answers for those RPOs. There are things you can do within those, but I think that play-action passing game is critical. Tanner Morgan has really good splits in play-action, and therefore maybe you're moving the pocket with bootlegs, getting Tanner throwing on the move, crossing routes, putting stress on the defense when they're trying to do some of these things like playing man coverage and you know being able to rob some of those RPOs into those passing windows. You can do a lot of different things, but... You know, you look at Minnesota's personnel, Brevin Spanford, outstanding, outstanding camp. Like, you talk to people around there, they are raving about the progress that he he's He looked made. great in the spring game, going back a few, would that be a few months now? Yeah. Already. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just Time like, flies, man. Did you see me just stare at the at the <sighs> calendar and have, like, that moment? I can't that, believe, that like, moment. football <laughs> season, it feels like it's, it's here on a dime. But, you know, like, well, Brevin. It's, it's week zero next week. Oh, I know. Can't even believe, like, the press conference for the game is next Friday. Yeah, it would be, right? Because the game's the following Thursday. Because it's Thursday, yeah, so they're doing it Friday. But, you know, if Brevin takes a huge step forward, Chirac is building a lot of things around his strengths because, tell you what, the catch radius, the athletic ability, the conceptual wrinkles that you can do to maximize that, like in the red zone and just anywhere on the field – you're looking at like Chris Ottman Bell, Dalen Wright, Brevin Span Ford as your core receiving options, and then blending in Mo and Trey Potts, and you know just kind of f- trying to build an offense that's multidimensional again. You know everybody talks about balance, and I understand balance. You know 
but but you also have to be able to take what the defense has given you. That kind of that kind of balance. I look at it in a sense as like you got to be able to do what you need to do to win the football game, and the coaches have talked about that. And when you do that, you're going to find balance because teams have different strengths and weaknesses that they you know they want to maximize their strengths and minimize their weaknesses. How much say this season? Does Tanner Morgan have in the offense? I don't expect Cole Kramer or Cal Kamanis to have as much say, but I would expect a ninth-year senior to have a lot of say in how the offense is being built, especially because he can say, hey, Kirk, when you were here yeah. and we were we were going to New Year's Day bowl games or bowl game, this is what we did well and I enjoyed this. Even though Ross wanted to launch Sanford Jr. into the sun to use a, a, Mike, Mur- a Mike Murphy, a James Murphy <laughs> reference and we should get James on this pod again at some point I'm sure there were still some things that Sanford did that Tanner Morgan did like so is there a way they can take a combo platter there and use some of those things or maybe are are we are we truly lighting it all on fire I don't know but what a long long way of saying roundabout way of saying I'd like to think your experienced quarterback who's been here for quite some time can sit down with the offensive coordinator and say hey when this defense does this I want to do this Hey, when they show us this, I think we should try this. I'd like to think he has a lot of freedom there. That relationship is pivotal. You can sit down with Kirk Chirac in the film room and say, what if we think about it this way? Or when the defense is playing us this way, why do we do it that way? The The dialogue there is is just incredibly valuable because there's that trust there. They've been together for such a long time, and I know just – seen it for you know the past couple of years you know just watching when Kirk was here in 2019 how those two connected and how it's just been like boom he walks in here and it's like riding a bike again he had a whole year at West Virginia to sit down and watch NFL film and study where the college games at talk to a lot of people what will Kirk Shiraka's offense look like I I think fans are going to be excited about it. it. I I'm looking forward to like the first three film breakdowns of the season, Big Ten games. That's when we'll we'll have some fun on the website. One of the things of many that I love about Daniel House again, Daniel House from GophersGuru.com, and I think this is where we'll start to wrap it up, House. Yeah. You take a very active interest in special teams, as do I. I do. I, I love a good punt that downs a team inside the 10 or 5-yard line. I love a field goal kicker, even though it's tougher in the college game, that you feel reasonably confident is going to make every kick within reason. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that place kicking, because that's what keeps me up at night as a gopher football fan. Trickett hasn't missed a kick when I've been at practice. Oh, no. And Crawford had two so phenomenal kicks the other night when I was there. Right inside the five, I'm like, okay, are you, generating bounce, generating bounce. Are you disputing Vikings Twitter? Because Vikings Twitter account says it's a Greg Joseph summer. Are you telling us that it's a Matthew Trickett summer? It's a Matthew Trickett summer, too. Okay. But the special teams, you know, last year, Ross, I'm glad you brought it up because they were like third in field position margin last year. And you know my opinion on field position margin correlating with wins, especially at the college level, because it ties into defensive play. It ties into takeaways. It shows, you know, how strategic you're being with some of your return decisions. So to see Minnesota special teams 
do what they did last year, and now look at the continuity they have coming back. Punter, kicker, and long snapper. I am a firm believer in continuity. I watch the Vikings today. They had Ryan Wright, the punter, come in and hold instead of Jordan Berry. Greg Joseph missed both the kicks. Not a Greg Joseph summer. Barry, Holden, money. Greg Joseph summer back on. It matters. And I tell you, I am not a huge fan of like when these teams cut punters and the holders change right before the season or they bring somebody in late. It messes with the whole operation. And I know I've talked to people about the value of the chemistry the Gophers have coming back, and they tell me to not have people you know, moving in and out, screwing around with the timing. It's very valuable. So special teams this year, you've got the Dragon doing the kickoffs, Touchback City. Um, special teams, the specialists, they, they should be just fine. My final thought on this pod and the Gophers in general, mm-hmm. I expect, and then we have an announcement to make, I expect the head coach will be more risk-averse. I think we'll go for it a few more times on fourth down. I think we'll go for it a few more times on fourth and goal. Mm-hmm. I think he might I, he would never say it. Uh, I guarantee he thinks an awful lot about some things that happened in Iowa City and how a decision here or there could have changed that game. I just expect them to be a bit more a bit more aggressive when the situation warrants it. I'm fine punting inside the 50. I always have been, and if you know your punter's going to do a good well, job. Well, look at the Iowa game last year, yeah. for example. You, know, you got that situation where you throw that swing pass and you lose like four yards and you're sitting there going, well, well, what do you do here? Do you kick the long field goal or do you punt and flip the field? You know, it's a close game. Your defense is playing really well. Iowa's offense is bad. Do you punt the ball deep and back them up? You know, those situations, I feel like the Iowa games in 19 and last year both came down to like three or four plays. Yeah, fourth and goal from the one last year, taking the field goal. I mean, you look back, I've always been a firm believer of it. And I still believe it to this day. Three or four plays always decide the outcome of a football game. Like th- that is unless the, you're beating Western Illinois by 42, true. then it's going to be seven to 11. But plays. when you look back at a lot of really high stake pivotal games, you can pull out three or four plays that really impacted the game. Now you can look at win probability and tell you which plays those are. So I do agree with you. PJ is a pretty aggressive coach in terms of some of the things. But also, there's area for opportunity there, for sure, no doubt. Well, Housey, I want everybody to write this date on their calendar, so we better hit it, even though I believe it's the NFL opener. Thursday, September the 8th, will be our first. We won't make the uh, New Mexico State game because the Gophers open up on a Thursday. I will be knee-deep in State Fair fun. But you and I... Verbal agreement, your people talk to my people. I don't have people, but you do have people. We hammered out a deal. We're going to do a pod once a week during the Gopher football season. Shooting Woo. for th- shooting for Thursdays where we'll do our best to recap the week that was yep. and set up the game that's coming on Saturday. That'll give a nice little 36, 48-hour window for it to be nice, fresh content for people to get jacked about Gopher football as jacked as I am on Beans Coffee right now. And I, I I know that people are going to enjoy it. I know that people enjoy when you hop on with me, and I think it'll be a great service to go for football fans. And who knows where it'll go from there, but we are committing to a weekly hit, as they call it, in the business on Gopher Football. 
And I certainly hope the Gophers can give us eight or more wins to talk about because that'll make it even more fun. This is an exciting team. We didn't talk about the defense. We'll do that we'll eventually. But the defense is loaded with depth, really young, fast, physical. It could be the strength of the team, the secondary, for example. I'm ready. Let's play football. Any fun names I need to be on the lookout for? Fun names on the defensive side of the ball? Just anywhere. Ooh. Um, I would the, say the lot of I'm going to give you one that is a surprise. Jalen Logan Redding. He looked really good defensive end in training camp, and he could end up playing a low key big role for this team. That position got to be able to set the edge, give you some pass rushing ability occasionally. I, I like where he's at and, and the strides that I saw. But Michael Flip Dixon, hybrid player, okay. big nickel. I don't know if you intended to do this, but when I said names, I meant like fun names to say. Like oh, fun names no, to say. But the two you gave me were kind of fun. One of the best names ever to say in Gopher football history was, Del, I'm, I'll butcher it again, Delata Badir. Del- Winston Delata Badir. You nailed it. <laughs> oh, I did it. nail it. Okay. Asesi Otomowo. Otomowo. <laughs> Is he going to make the Vikings roster? He's been getting rotational reps. I don't know exactly how that position group's going to shake out, but... You know, maybe he's a practice squad player this year. I I, I guess I don't know. The, the preseason will play a big role yep. in kind of how that shakes out. Uh, fun names. Do you got one off the top of your head? The two that you said were okay. Lorenza Sergers. 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 I mean, honestly, there's not. There's, I like that. Sergers. Lorenza Sergers. Honestly, there's not a, there aren't many names that are super. Jayuma. One of Jai my. Joyner. One of my favorite. One of my favorite Minnesota sports chat moments was talking with Darren Doogie Wolfson from KSTP Channel 5 and the Scoops podcast. We were playing the Gopher football name pronunciations off the website during the podcast. Oh. Because you can do that. I mean, I think it was you that alerted me to that they have all the names in there. No, it's a valuable resource. Yeah, it's a great resource. We were doing that. And the players actually say it themselves, I think, don't they? They do. They they record them each, I think, on Media Day. They do that every year where they have them come in and say where they're from and their name. Ross Brendel, the Lakeville High School. That was really good. It was like Sunday night football. Yeah, exactly. Culinary Academy. That was Jared Allen, right? Culinary Academy. Culinary, it was, Didn't he yeah, always it was. say that? Culinary yeah, Academy. I forgot about that. <laughs> I like the Brian Bulaga. I was. <laughs> it almost sounded like Brandy. Brandy Bulaga. Brian Bulaga. <laughs> Iowa. House, we're out of here. That was fun. Anything you need to plug here in the final uh, 30 seconds? Just head over to gophersguru.com. Preview content coming for the season. Film breakdowns during the season, training camp notebooks. You can get caught up on all the open practices, what I saw, podcasts, radio hits, anything you want. $5 a month for the all-access subscription pass to get you access to the premium stuff, including the film breakdowns that will be dropping this year. I told you, first three, Big Ten play, those are the ones you're going to want to check out. Gophersguru.com. My thanks to Daniel House. My thanks to you for downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing this pod. And thanks to those of you who support Beans Coffee Company at coffeebybeans.com. Don't forget to use that promo code SPORTSCHAT. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.